Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. John Steele here hosting part one this week and as usual all of the latest J2 and J3 news is coming your way very shortly. In part one I'll talk you through some of the J2 action and Emperor's Cup action from last weekend. James Taylor has the rest of the uh, J2 games for you in part two. Then James and I got together in part three for one of our regular J2 catch-up chats, uh, lots of different topics under discussion there. And to round things off, as ever, Magic Mike Innes is on hand. He has all the J3 news, reviews and previews for you in JTalk Short Corner uh, to round things off at the end of the pod. Without further ado, we should talk about some football, I think. Let's start with the Emperor's Cup. And last Sunday, Roasso Kumamoto's fairy tale run to the semi-finals was ended quite cruelly against Kashiwa Reisol at Hitachidai. It finished Kumamoto nil, Kashiwa 4. The J1 side took just nine minutes to go ahead in this game. Sachio Toshima heading in Mao Hosea's cross from the left-hand side. The goal that really put Kumamoto in trouble came right on the stroke of half-time when a corner from Matias Savio just wasn't dealt with at all by the Kumamoto defence and eventually the ball went in off Kashiwa defender Eiichi Katayama from pretty much on the goal line. So 2-0 to Kashiwa at half-time. Any hopes of a Kumamoto comeback were extinguished in the 54th minute when Matias Savio tried his luck from the edge of the box. His shot deflected off Hosoya and wrong-footed Kumamoto keeper Ryuga Tashiro on its way into the net to make things 3-0. The icing on Kashiwa's cake came in stoppage time at the end of the second half when a corner was only cleared to the edge of Kumamoto's penalty area. From just inside the box, Tomoki Takamine swept a low shot into Tashiro's bottom corner to make the final score Kumamoto nil, Kashiwa 4. So an emphatic win for Kashiwa. They'll face Kawasaki Frontale in the Emperor's Cup final in December. Kawasaki overpowered Fukuoka 4-2 in the other semi-final tie. Commiserations to Gary Irwin and all Kumamoto supporters, but they can exit the competition with their heads held very high indeed after such a superb run to the last four. On to some J2 action then, and round 38 of the season, or 10 fixtures from it, took place last weekend. I'll run you through the results from the Saturday games now, beginning with a huge game at the top of the table. It finished Shimizu Espulse 1 Jubilo Iwata nil in the big Shizuoka derby, a win that sees Shimizu return to second place in the table. Iwata meanwhile slipped down to fourth on goal difference. This was a very high quality game, plenty of good football from both sides. Early on, Iwata keeper Ryuki Amura had to make a good save from Thiago Santana, while at the other end, Ryo Germain almost put Iwata in front after a great run to the edge of the penalty area, but he placed his shot just wide of Shuichi Gonda's right-hand post. The vital goal here came four minutes before half-time, thanks to Takashi Inui. His first-time shot from the edge of the box took a deflection off Iwata defender Ricardo Grassa and ended up in the back of the visitors' net. So Shimizu were 1-0 up at the break. Iwata did everything they could to get back into the game, but Shimizu held firm and it finished Shimizu 1 Iwata nil. So Shimizu two points clear of uh, third and fourth, Tokyo Verdi and Jubilo Iwata with four games to go. Uh, so yeah, huge win for them in the automatic promotion race. 
Uh, I mentioned Tokyo Verdi already. They're level on points with Iwata, but one goal better off in terms of goal difference. This is after they won 1-0 at home to Oita Trinita in round 38. A goal in the 16th minute from Tetsuki Inami was enough to win this game for Tokyo Verdi. After some fantastic work down the right from Hikaru Nakahara, he found Kosuke Saito on the edge of Oita's box. Saito teed up Inami and he fired low into the bottom corner from about 20 yards. Just two minutes later, Oita's task became much harder as their centre-back Pereira was shown a straight red card for a foul when he was the last defender. Pereira miscontrolled the ball and then had to stretch to poke it away from the onrushing Itsuki Somino. In real time, it looked like a foul and a justified dismissal, but on the slow motion replay, it seemed to show that Pereira had actually got a touch on the ball before making contact with the Verdi player, so a perhaps a harsh red card in final analysis. But yes, there was no way back for the 10 men of Oita. It finished Tokyo Verdi 1, Oita 0. Oita, uh, only four points outside the playoff zone, but they're in 11th at the moment. Vifar and Nagasaki are still 6th, after getting their first win in four games in quite explosive fashion, they thumped Fujieda 5-1 at the Transcosmos Stadium, a win that leaves them a point ahead of 7th place Kofu. Nagasaki were 2-0 up and more or less in control of this game at half-time. They took the lead in the 26th minute when Keita Nakamura tried his luck from just inside the Fujieda penalty area. The ball deflected off a defender and that sent it past goalkeeper Kitamura for 1-0. With half-time fast approaching, Fujieda gave the ball away while trying to build up from the back and eventually Matthias Jesus crossed from the left for Juanma Delgado to plant a firm header across goal and into the back of the net for 2-0. Fujieda briefly threatened a fight back in the 56th minute when Ken Yamara hit the post but Nagasaki made it 3-0 on the hour. Fujieda were caught napping at a corner and a low delivery from Nakamura found Kazuki Kushibiki around the penalty spot. The big defender swiveled and then fired in off the post for 3-0 and the points were pretty much safe. With 10 minutes to go, it was 4-0. After some good work from Nagasaki substitute Kaito Matsuzawa, he dribbled into the Fujieda penalty area on the left and then poked the ball across goal to the unmarked Juanma, who swept it in for an easy finish. His second goal of the game, four for Nagasaki, 23 goals for Juanma this season. Surely he's going to be the J2 player of the season uh, at the end of the year. Fujieda pulled a goal back in the 86th minute, Kazaki Nakagawa heading in unmarked from six yards from a right wing cross but it was Nagasaki's day and they got a fifth goal just two minutes after that Fujieda consolation. Serin Saryu Jop's shot came back off the far post but the ball cannoned straight into Fujieda defender Shota Suzuki and went over the line for an own goal and it finished Nagasaki 5, Fujieda 1. An emphatic win for Nagasaki in the end. Fujieda, meanwhile, are in 14th place on 45 points. Surely that means they've done enough to be in J2 again next season. At the bottom of the table, Omiya Ardija are suddenly 21st rather than 22nd as we are used to. This is after a third straight win for the Squirrels and a potentially huge one, 2-1 at home to fellow relegation dogfighters Yamaguchi. Omiya made a great start here, taking the lead in the 15th minute, Keisuke Muroi with a free header from about six yards from Shuto Okaniwa's right wing cross. So Omiya were 1-0 up at the break 
At the start of the second half, Yamaguchi survived an almighty goalmouth scramble, but it was only a temporary let-off as the home side doubled their lead with a brilliant goal in the 56th minute. Angelotti with a superb low drive, arrowing right into the bottom corner from about 20 yards. So Ormia 2-0 up and in control. There's a long tradition of ex-Ormia players scoring against their old club though, and that held true when Shinya Yajima pulled a goal back for the visitors with a looping header from Hikaru Naruoka's swirling cross from the left. That was with only about two minutes of normal time remaining, and Omiya held on to claim all three points. It was Omiya 2, Yamaguchi 1 at full time. For Yamaguchi, as well as a damaging defeat against a relegation rival, they also lost influential centre-back Henan to a red card right at the death. He picked up a second caution for a foul uh, on the Omiya goalkeeper at a corner, so he'll be suspended uh, for the next game. So Omiya are off the bottom of the table, but still six points adrift of safety. Uh, The team above them is Yamaguchi in 20th. Surely Omiya are going to need at least three wins from their last four games to stand a chance of beating the drop. It seems unlikely, but then again, it's J2 we're talking about, so you never know. All right, I think that's all from me from the Emperor's Cup and the Saturday games in J2. Please stay tuned. In a moment, I'm going to hand you over to James Taylor, and he has all of the Sunday J2 action from round 38 for you. J2, it's your time. Thanks, John. James Taylor here with Sunday's league games, starting with a goal fest at the Gion Stadium, where late goals for both Machida Zelvia and Vanfare Kofu saw the game end 3 all. Viku Ijima opened the scoring for Kofu in the 26th minute, finding space to run onto a through ball from Motoki Hasegawa and curling a shot just out of the keeper's reach. Shota Fujio equalised for Machida 11 minutes later, when the ball landed helpfully at his feet six yards out. Four minutes after that, Machida went in front, Zento Uno converting Hijri Onaka's cross at the near post. Kofu drew level in the 82nd minute, a long ball found its way to Masahiro Sekiguchi and he fired a low shot into the bottom corner from 25 yards. Then, in the second minute of stoppage time, Kofu's Getulio scored from 8 yards to put them 3-2 up. But, in the 7th minute of stoppage time, a high ball into the Kofu box was punched one-handed by keeper Tsubasa Shibuya but only into an opponent standing nearby and bounced to Uno, whose shot just squeezed inside the post. 3-3 the final score. Machida's lead at the top is very slowly eroding. They're five points clear of Shimizu, while Kofu are seventh, a point behind Nagasaki. There was also a draw for fifth place Jeff United Chiba, who had to come from behind at home to Mito Hollyhock. Fumia Unoki scored a good goal for Mito in the 23rd minute, helped by a poor goal kick from Jeff, which went straight to Mito's right winger. Unoki received a quick pass 25 yards from goal, turned and shot over the keeper for 1-0. Then, in the aftermath of the goal, a moment of idiocy from Mito's Mizuki Ando, who apparently kicked the ball away from the centre spot when Jeff were preparing to restart. That resulted in a second yellow for Ando, and his teammate Motoki Ohara was lucky not to be punished for jostling the referee as he and a group of Mito players tried to argue Ando's case. Jeff drew level in the 39th minute, Kazuki Tanaka finishing a very nice passing move from Dudu, Tomoyamiki and Masaru Hidaka. Louis Yamaguchi kept Jeff's Taishi Taguchi and Hiro Komori at bay as the 10 men of Mito held on for a point that sees them drop a place to 13th and Jeff stay 5th. Playoff chasers Zaspa Kasats Gumma and Fajiano Okayama drew 0-0 in Sunday night's game. Very little goalmouth action in this one, but Okayama's Thiago Alves should have at least hit the target with a free effort from six yards out that he blazed over. 
as did Yasutaki Yanagi in the 94th minute as the centre-back was playing as a forward to end the game. So, consecutive goalless draws for Gunma, whose playoff push seems to be faltering now. They're four points off six. Uh, meanwhile, consecutive games without scoring for Okoyama, who are a point better off, three points off the playoffs. Montelio Yamagata kept up their pursuit of a playoff berth with a 2-0 win over Tochigi SC that keeps the away team in danger of relegation. Yoshiki Fujimoto scored Yamagata's first after half an hour, getting in front of his marker and deftly flicking in a low cross with the outside of his boot. Ken Miyagi got the second early in the second half, curling a shot round a defender from the left side of the area. A comfortable win in the end for Yamagata, who are 8th, 3 points off 6th. Four defeats in a row for Tochigi, who are 19th, 6 points ahead of Omiya. There was an entertaining draw at the newly renamed Hawaiian Stadium between Iwaki FC and Vegalta Sendai. Hiroto Iwabuchi's 18th minute goal put Iwaki ahead, as he was waiting at the back post to squeeze a shot under Sendai keeper Akihiro Hayashi. Ryo Makita equalised from the penalty spot for Sendai in the 35th minute after he was tripped by Rei Ieizumi, who mistimed an attempted clearance. Motohiko Nakajima then hit the post with a long-range shot before Hiromu Kamada put Sendai into the lead with a gentle free header midway through the second half. Sendai couldn't keep that lead and Sota Nagai gleefully accepted an easy chance from close range in the 68th minute. These teams rise one place each in the table, Sendai 16th, Iwaki 17th. So with all these draws, it's pretty obvious what happened at the Ishikawa Athletic Stadium between Zergen Kanazawa and Blaublitz Akita, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Akita ran out comfortable winners 2-0, thanks to a close-range finish by Keita Saito from a 41st-minute corner and an 84th-minute header by ex-Kanazawa man Tatsushi Koyanagi, also from a corner. Kanazawa keeper Yuto Shirai made several good saves in this one, while his opposite number Kentaro Kakoe collected crosses comfortably and only faced one shot on target in the entire game which came after 71 minutes. Consecutive wins and four games unbeaten for 12th place Akita. Consecutive losses and no wins in nine for Kanazawa, who are rock bottom and for whom the inevitable is rapidly approaching. That's the action rounded up. Keep listening for my chat with John. Welcome back everyone, John Steele here for some J2 chat in this part of the pod and joining me to uh, talk turkey is uh, James Taylor. James, how are you doing? I'm alright, thanks John. I enjoyed your chat with Sean last week, although disappointed that we only got an hour of the three. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, the, the lawyers uh, the lawyers sorted the rest, I'm afraid, uh, James. The other, the other two and a half hours are locked in a vault uh, somewhere, yeah, deep <laughs> in the Sahara Desert. But you, you never know if we get enough patrons... Uh, you know, they might might be released. Um, also, if I'm a, if I'm in a safe location, you know, in the Dominican Republic or something, uh, yeah, we we might release it. But uh, yeah, no, Sean and I had a good chat uh, last week, uh, and that was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, it's nice to talk to you again, Jibs. For some reason, it feels like a while. Is it a couple of weeks since we since we chatted? Yeah, lots of stuff happened. Yeah, yeah, I think we've we've reached we've reached a stage of the season where it's all kind of blurring into one. Uh, isn't it so maybe we should try and make some sense of it then so mm. um yeah we're gonna sort of run through some of what we thought were the, the big talking points from round 38 uh, in j2 uh, last weekend maybe it's a good good chance to take stock of things because there aren't really many games coming up uh this weekend right for, for some reason there's like a, a break in the schedule uh, no J2 games over the weekend so we're there perhaps we'll, we'll talk about the sort of light fixture list a bit later but 
first of all, let's talk about the big game from the very top of the table from last weekend. Uh, last weekend, James at uh, Nihon Daira, it finished Shimizu one, uh, Iwata nil. As the listeners have heard already in the Shizuoka Derby, a huge three points uh, for Shimizu as they go back into second place, two points ahead of uh, Tokyo Verdi and Iwata. Iwata started the round in second and then dropped down to fourth behind Verdi on goal difference. Um, I watched kind of the last sort of quarter of this game uh, live and it was excellent stuff. It was really exciting with the Iwata sort of throwing the kitchen sink at Shimizu to try and get an equaliser, but they, they weren't able to do it. And uh, yeah, Shimizu got the three points thanks to that uh, deflected Takashi Inui goal in the first half. Uh, James, what, what did you make of the game? And um, is that Shimizu, uh, well, obviously they're in the driving seat for, for automatic promotion being in second, but um, do you think that's a decisive result or is there, is there still some, some potential for twists and turns, do you think? Well, it's J2, so there's always potential for twists and turns. But... Uh... Yeah, I really enjoyed this game. Um, really high quality, like really fast-paced, crisp passing, accurate passing, the sort of stuff that I've rarely seen uh, in a stadium. Uh, well, not from the home team this year, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I thought um, Sean's assessment of these teams was spot on. I thought um, last week, but that's that's why he's an actual football writer, and we're just two guys who watch a lot of football. Mm, too much, too much wish. praise, too much praise for Sean already. I'll, I'll make sure that this gets cut out, James. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> yeah, it's just the libelous part of the pod. Okay, and uh, but what? Yeah, like you, you mentioned the um, who had to throw in the kitchen sink. I thought the defensive effort from both teams in this game was really, really high. Um, throughout the match, both both sets of players were flinging themselves in front of shots. I wouldn't be surprised to, 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 to see if the the shot count was quite low, because there were so many efforts that were blocked. Some really good um, good uh, sort of last ditch defending here. I guess Shimizu maybe were a bit fortunate with the goal with the deflection, which again was from because the defender was trying to throw himself in front of the shot. But, um, yeah, I think for, for Shimizu, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, like you said, they're in the driving seat. And, and, I mean, they could even overtake Machida because they're, they're kind of chipping away at Machida's lead. Machida are, are doing a bit of what Yokohama FC did last year and kind of limping mm. over the finish line. Mm. Um, for Iwata, the last few weeks I've been, I've been quite impressed with Rio Germain. Mm. Who in preseason I was a bit skeptical about, but um, he's uh, he's looked really good recently. He's, he's strong, he's fast, he's been agile. Mm. Still a bit wasteful in front of goal. But... Yeah, it was a big chance that he had midway through the first half in this game, wasn't he? I mean, when he went clean through, yeah. and just missed the target. If he'd scored that one, it might have been a different game. Yeah, and there was another in the second half, I think, where he was. He was dribbling into the box from the left side and he did a couple of step overs to try and like, fool the defender. The defender just kind of stood there and, and plucked the ball off his toes and he, he looked a bit silly. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, I think Shimizu are, I mean, they're second in the league, they're second in goals scored and they're second in goals against and they're first in goal difference and they're second in number of wins. So they're where they should be. Mm. And Iwata, again, I, I was like, I was like you in preseason. I was a bit skeptical about about them as a as a whole, but they 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 they're doing really well. And again, I think they're where they should be. Another highlight of this match for me was when Dudu ran into the back of the referee 
<laughs> which if uh, what was weird was the way the two of them reacted the ref but if someone runs into the back of you you think you'd go down right and the other person would ste- would have steamrolled you but the ref stayed standing and doo went down like <laughs> like he was injured terribly it was uh, yeah. uh very interesting yeah uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Anyway, what about you what, what did you think of these teams? yeah no I, I think your assessment i i think the the, the kind of the, the the phrase that was in my mind while i was watching the game live and then again it popped in into my head while i was watching the highlights this morning was it was just a very high quality game and um, I, i'm a bit nervous to say it was a j1 quality game because that's the kind of phrase that could come back to haunt me next season so I think at least at least one of these teams will be in J one uh, next season, and we'll probably struggle. But yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, it's a, the stadium was full, it was noisy. Um, we know what a good stadium Nihon Dair is for football, and the the, the, the quality uh, on show on the pitch was was good. And uh, yeah, it was just a really really good. Um, I mean, this season we've talked a lot about exciting games. I'm not sure how many high quality games we've we've really referenced, you know, mm. over the first sort of nine what well, eight months of the season. So yeah, this was a high quality game. Uh, both teams went for it as as best they could, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think a draw might even have been a, a, a fair result. I think Shimizu perhaps just about shaded it, um, mm. but yeah, it was it was just exciting stuff. And yeah, it was uh, that last fifteen minutes with Ueta sort of having you know balls cleared off the line and, and plenty of sort of desperate defending from Shimizu. It really felt like a really meaningful match. I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it was good. It was good stuff, and I agree with your assessment. I just um, I had a quick look at the kind of run in for these two teams. Uh, James with the four games that they had left. It's interesting because they both have uh, away games next and then back-to-back home games. Mm-hmm. And then they're away on the last day. But I think, um, just kind of tying in with what you said, I would make Shimizu's run-in slightly easier because they go away to Iwaki, then they have Kumamoto at home, Omiya at home, and then they mm-hmm. visit Mito on the last day. Whereas Iwata have to go away to Tokushima. I think that's potentially tricky they're at home against Tokyo Verdi after that, which obviously is a bit of a, a bit of a tough tough ask. Verdi are very good away from home, of course. That'll be a tough match. Then uh, Iwata have got Mito at home and then Tochigi away on the last day. So perhaps Mito have got the key because in the last two games they're, they're playing mm-hmm. Iwata and Shimizu. But um, yeah, I would make Shimizu just about favourites to um, to snatch an automatic promotion spot. But as you've said yourself, it's J2, so... You, uh, you you never know until until the last day. But yeah, I'd be um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Shimizu kind of hold on to a, mm. to a top two spot. I think this was a really big win for them uh, in mm. the end. James, talking of big wins and excitement, but possibly just dialing down the quality ever so slightly. <laughs> shall we um shall we go to the bottom of the table uh, for another talking point? Um, at NAC five, the full time score was Omiya two. Renofa Yamaguchi won uh, in round 38. Another huge win uh, for Omiya. Suddenly they've got three wins in a row and they're off the bottom. Uh, we won't mention who's replaced them, uh, James. But, um, but but yeah, Omiya still six points adrift of Yamaguchi, uh, who are third bottom with only four games left to go. So I'm not sure... Uh, they're not exactly out of trouble, are they, by any means? Um, I thought in this game Omiya's second goal uh, was superb from Angelotti. Yeah. You know, the kind of laser, you know, laser guided into the, the bottom corner. And they're going to need him to step up, aren't they? Because the big news out of Omiya uh, this midweek is that Jakob Switzschok is out for the rest of the season. He's got his mm-hmm. uh, knee, knee ligament issue. He's gone back to Poland uh, for treatment. Um, one other bonus potentially for Omiya is um, Yamaguchi having Henan sent off 
uh, for a second yellow card right at the end of this game. Obviously, he's a regular starter at centre-back for Yamaguchi, so he'll be a miss for the next game. Um, so, yeah, important win possibly for Olmia James, but I don't mean to kind of um, rain on anyone's parade or be a, be a sort of a negative uh, Nancy, but I still think Olmia are going to need three wins, at least, aren't they, from the last four games? And it's a tall order when you look at their fixtures. We'll talk about them in a moment. Yamaguchi, I'm still feeling... Even though they obviously will, you know, losing this game hasn't helped them. I still think they're just going to about stay up by default. I think um, is is that a bit is that a bit an, an unsexy opinion? I suppose. What what did you make of the game, and, and what do you think about Omiya's uh, chances? Yeah, well, uh, I can't. I just can't believe that Omiya are off the bottom. They've been in the bottom two since match day fourteen. They've been bottom since match day sixteen. Mm. Um, you think the club the club might put out a statement saying that they're aiming for twelfth? No, oh, I, I thought know. there was no. It's still aiming for the playoffs, surely. Um, <laughs> Only forty points adrift, or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's J two, so anything can happen. <laughs> um, I, it, they can't do it, can they? Well, but looking at their running, they've got Fujieda away, Kofu at home, Shimizu away, and Verdi at home. Whereas Yamaguchi have got Okayama at home, Sendai away, Machida at home, Kumamoto away. I mean could go either way couldn't it and Omiya are playing well we talked about a few weeks ago when we when we were talking about the you know J2 generally second half of the season Omiya have been playing much better than they did in the first half the fact they were so bad in the first half is why they've they're, they're still so far so far adrift but they're still adrift mm. but yeah they, they've been playing they've still had some bad results and so you know a few sort of calamities but they have been really improved. Of the bottom two, they are the only one likely to escape. Mm. Uh, <laughs> say that without saying anything else about the other team in the bottom two, because we we promised that we were going to try and get to bed at a reasonable time. Mm, yeah, yeah, we can't. <laughs> we, we we that pod will come, but maybe not now. It's not it the time. Uh, probably, that I think we need Victor. I think we need Victor on yeah. deck for that one as well. I've so. already I've already told Victor to clear his schedule for after the end of the season for a, a, a massive, miserable megapod. Yes, I think we, we better check with Ben what the kind of upload limit, you know, <laughs> gig, gigabyte limit is on uh, on Podbean as well. Uh, yeah. Ask the patrons to up their subscriptions. No, go yeah. back to Omia though. Um, like I said, Angelotti, that was a really good goal. And I think, actually, he's been a better option than Svetok. I'm not sure that Svetok would be that much of a, of a miss, really, because he, he, said he scored a few goals. But my, my main impression of him over the last few months is not really clicking and spending a lot of time looking pissed off. Mm. With his situation, the fact that he's playing <laughs> for this team... Or with his teammates, I don't know. But Angelotti, I think, is is the better option. Um, Seiya Nakano looks good off the bench, but I think he needs a refresher of the offside rule. And um, what about Keisuke Murue as well? He's got four goals now, and they've all been pretty important. He scored in a 1-1 draw against Okayama, uh, in a 2-3 loss to Iwata, and a 1-0 win over Tokushima, and in this game as well. So his goals have been pretty important. Um... Of course, they conceded a late goal because they can't help themselves, can they? I mean, they've got to do that. They, they, they just, they just, they just have to. But yeah, Yamaguchi—they're not convincing at all, are they? But they're just clinging on. 
And I think the fact that Omiya was so bad in the first half of the season might be what saves Yamaguchi. Because they don't really look like saving themselves. I um yeah, I I've got a potential oh sorry James, go ahead. Oscar, I mean they they did alright the previous game against the team that we're not talking about. Mm. But I mean, that's a gimme. <laughs> Yeah, I just wonder if there's a potential for this to maybe come down to goal difference because mm. Yamaguchi's running, you just reeled it off, Okayama at home, uh, not an easy game, Sendai mm. away, I mean, we're, talk, we're going to talk about Sendai in a minute, not the most frightening opponent, but not a pushover either, Machida at home, you have to imagine by round 41 Machida will be promoted Oh yeah, they'll be hungover. But, or yeah, we, but whether that means they'll have the handbrake off and, and give Yamaguchi a good beating, or whether they are on the beach, so to speak, mm-hmm. we're not sure. Kumamoto away in the last game. I mean, Kumamoto not mathematically safe at the moment, but I think they will be by round forty-two. Yeah. So Yamaguchi. I mean, if Yamaguchi just get one more win, I think that probably it hammers the, the last nail into Omiya's uh, coughing really but Omiya's running you know Fujieda away I mean you don't know the way Omiya are playing maybe they could get get a win there Kofu at home will be very tough because they're in the playoff mm-hmm. playoff tussle Shimizu away pff, I mean we we talked about the quality that they showed in the yeah. game against Iwata I'd, I'd be amazed if Omiya can win that one and then it'll be Verdi at home on the last day perhaps they'll be hoping that Verdi are already in the playoffs and arresting players you know with a playoff semi-final in mind but Omiya I mean they're going to need uh, two wins might take them into a kind of goal difference runoff with Yamaguchi, which which they might they might come out you know on top. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, to be honest, I mean, Omiya have had must win games every week for the last six match days, haven't they? And they At finally least. started they finally started to win the must win games. But I'm just not sure if they can reel off. They're going to have to reel off you know three more wins. They're going to need like a six game winning streak and. It'd be absolutely amazing if they could do it. Yeah. Um, and perhaps we should mention Tochigi are probably, you know, they're on the level on points with Yamaguchi, but their goal difference is much better. Mm. Uh, but they're not they're not exactly on firing on all cylinders, four straight defeats for them at the yeah. moment. But um yeah, I still think if Olmia win away at Fujieda and Yamaguchi lose at home to Okayama, maybe I'll be I'll be saying something different. But at the moment, um I still can't I still can't see I still can't see Omiya wriggling out of it unless it's on perhaps on goal difference somehow. Mm. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll wait and see. Yamaguchi, as you mentioned, not convincing. They did have that kind of run, didn't they? When when Wanda Schneider took over, and it yeah. seemed like they were going to pull away, and they kind of threatened to do that. But they just have all. They've just been down there for most of the season. Mm. Um, so as as you all know, team, teams that circle the drain for long enough um, will eventually kind of get get sucked in sort of gravity wise but I don't know it's, it's a tough one to call but six six points is a big gap with only with only 12 left to play for I feel mm. still so yeah we'll see we'll see it could happen yeah it's a big call on that switch shock I mean I think you're right about his sort of body language is pretty negative um, <laughs> at times but he has I think he has contributed a lot when he's been in front but perhaps his best contribution is it's forced a bit more out of Angelotti I think squeezed a bit more out of Angelotti in terms of you know he's had to fight for his place up front a bit more Angelotti. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think he he might have come back into the team now with a bit of a point to prove, like you like mm-hmm. you kind of alluded to. So um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, the, the top of the table is fascinating, but the bottom as well. I mean, Omi have really unexpectedly for me kind of made a made a fist of things 
you know, yeah. going into the running. So we'll uh, we'll we'll watch that with uh, with interest, I think. Um, okay, James. Well, you mentioned um, uh, earlier already. Uh, Sendai, we just talked about briefly. They were involved in a pretty exciting game um, at the weekend, weren't they? It finished Iwaki two, Sendai two. Um, both sides might be happy with a point in the end because that sees them eight points clear of the relegation zone with four rounds left to play. Um, yeah, the quality level was. Probably higher than the Omi match, lower than the Shimizu match, but the, the team shared four goals, so most supporters would have enjoyed it, I suppose. Does that sound fair enough, James? Yeah, it was pretty entertaining. I think there's nothing really riding on it, I, I suppose. But yeah, I, I quite enjoyed enjoyed this game. Um, I'm, I don't have that much to say about Sendai. They've been pretty dire this year. Um, Sean Sean's assessment of them was 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 uh, again spot on last week. They they. Their squad is is uh, is uh, not very well put together. They've been playing badly. Manager managerial choices not great. Mm. In, um, in my notes, in my notes from this game, I've written that uh, Sendai is so easy to play through. Yeah, and, uh, they're defending on both the Iraqi goals was pretty horrible. I thought they had loads of players. Classic sign of a bad team is loads of players back in the box defending, but none of them affecting the game in any way. Yeah. I mean, the 16th with four games left, that, that tells you everything you need to know about their season, right? Uh, and I, I think, you know, last year they were in the top two, top three till, till near the end. And then they, they just missed the playoffs completely somehow. And then this year they, they, they've been awful. I think they need a reboot to avoid, you know, Ormia Matsumoto syndrome. So I expect them to sort of stumble through the rest of the year, and then, for their sake, I hope that, that there's um, some sort of uh, meaningful change over the off season yeah. um, for the better. Um, I think they could do with a different goalie because uh, Akihiro Hayashi had another dodgy moment for the for the first goal, letting that one sort of slide under him and over the line. Yeah. But um, we haven't really talked about Iwaki much this year. We talked about them on the opening day. And then you and Richie talked about them um, about six weeks ago or so. Mm. Um, but I, I, they've they've done really well. I think this is the first season where they've really struggled, like ever. They've they've come up through the divisions fairly easily. From from is the impression I have. And the first half of this year, they were really struggling in J two. Um, and then they changed managers, didn't they? They got Yuzo Tamura took over in mid-June. And since then, um, seven wins, seven draws and four losses. Mm. And those three of those losses were in a row. Um, but the wins, they, they, they beat Omiya, Kanazawa, Tochigi, Mito, Kumamoto, all teams around them in the table. Mm. They were down near the bottom. All these teams as well were lower mid-table or, or struggling. So really important. They're winning these really important games. He's tightened up the defence. He's improved the attack. And what helped, of course, is uh, Hiroto Iwabuchi coming back from, from a long-term injury. He's got seven goals in 17 games. Really good. Mm. Um, even Kaina Tanimura's got six goals from about 600 shots. <laughs> I'm guessing. I haven't checked the stats, but I think that's probably about accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Iwaki, they, I, they've, they've been really quietly impressive in the second half of this year. 
I think there's so much so much else been going on that we haven't really noticed them that much. They've they've kind of eased. Yeah, well, yeah, I think it's one of these. It's almost like a curse of if you come up from J three and then slot sort of into kind of mid table or lower mid table, you sort of get ignored a little bit. Um, I think, Akita, I think, yeah, Akita. we did, we did, we did it to Akita, and it's kind of happening to Fujieda as well, right? Because we we talked about them a lot when they were in sixth for a while, and they seem mm-hmm. like they might have this unlikely or kind of faintly ridiculous kind of playoff push, mm-hmm. and then uh, they lost a couple of the the, the key players uh, they were sold on in the summer, and then they've kind of reverted to sort of mid table themselves. But I agree with you. I think I put Iwaki down as from the start of the season. I can remember watching the first couple of games, and they looked like they were going to be in real trouble. Yeah, and now they're eight points clear of the drop zone with with four games left to play for a first season in J two, and after having a very rocky start, that that's got to go down as a good season for them, um, mm. hasn't it? And it gives them a platform to build on for next year. I think as well, Iwaki Sendai is a real contrast of kind of resource management, where yeah. you have Iwaki. You know, n- no one's going to argue that it's the strongest squad in the league, or you know, most of the players were were completely unknown to me. Um, going into this season, I think Riku Saga and Tori Takagi were the goalkeeper, some of the only players that I knew. But now one or two others have kind of emerged, like Rio Endo, for example, at, at centre-back, who's popped up in, in both boxes quite a lot. You mentioned Kaina Tanimura. He plays football like that's how I play FIFA, you know, just shooting from anywhere. And uh, sometimes it, it goes in. Rio Aritha is also a, a serial chance misser, but I really like the fact that he's always there taking shots. You know, it yeah. never seems to let it bother him that he's missed. You know, misses three out of every four. He's he's always ready to and willing to take another one. The player that caught my eye in this game that I wanted to mention very briefly was A.G. Miyamoto, mm-hmm. um, who there is one highlight clip where I don't know how to describe. It's not a fifty-fifty ball that he's competing with with a Sendai player. It's like the the ball is about two yards from the Sendai player, and Miyamoto's about six yards away. But he just steams in at full speed, and they manage to get there at the same time. And he just emerges with the ball, and uh, and sets up an attack, which which send uh, which which Iwaki ended up wasting. But that desire that sounds like yeah. Sendai's season in, in, well, in a well, that, but but yeah, I mean, I mean, Sendai have got all all the money and all these, you know, as Sean mentioned, like journeymen, you know, from other other you know J one teams and whatever, and they just haven't managed their resources very well at all. They're a complete basket case. I mean, I think as far as I can tell, they're on course for their worst ever J League finish. Yeah. This year, and like you said, I don't think they need. Um, it would almost do them good, I think, to finish twentieth and survive on goal difference because that would just be the kick up the arse that I think the front office needs at Sendai. Um, I think what it's good that they're not going to finish in the top half. They're not going to finish sort of. They're not just going to miss out on the playoffs by a point. They're going to really. They've they've had just an awful season, and um, yeah, like I said, you know, the, the difference in a lot of games has been organisation and desire. It's not been, you know, the the quality is often in the Sendai squad, not not the team they're playing against. But they haven't matched the desire and the commitment of some of the teams they played against, and. Um, I'm not a Sendai supporter, but I'm a football fan. And thinking about when I watch my team, that's unacceptable. You know, yeah. l- losing losing to teams that have got better players than you is absolutely fine. But sort of struggling to to you know struggling to compete with teams because they uh, not to sound like Sam Allardyce or someone, but you know because the other team wants it more than you do or mm. more committed than you, that's completely unacceptable. So um, I think a strong Sendai is good for the J League because I do think it's a good club, mm. with very very passionate yeah. supporters, but. Um, 
I also think I believe in a meritocracy and I think it's also good that when teams underperform and they basically piss around and waste the resources, I think they should end up near the bottom of the table because it's um, that's kind of what that's all they deserve really this year. Yeah, so, um, we'll we'll see. I think they probably will sort of hit the nuclear kind of reset button for next year, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we'll see a very different Sendai in twenty twenty four. But yeah, I'm sure they're, they're, the players must just be desperate for the season to finish at this point. Probably most of the supporters as well. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, these, these 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 two teams, they're both on forty four points, so they're they're eight points clear of of Olmia. But you're looking at like that. The, their running's quite difficult. I mean, Iwaki have got to play Shimizu, Jeff, Yamagata, and Fujieda. Mm. Three of those teams are, are pushing for playoffs. And then Sendai have got to play Akita, Yamaguchi, Nagasaki, and Machida. Mm. So it's not easy. No, it's yeah. not. I mean, <laughs> Sendai are the only team to have lost twice to the team that's currently bottom of the league, <laughs> who we're not talking about this week. Yes, the, the unmentionables. That, yeah, that that is another. Um, it's a it's a. Well, it's it's funny, isn't it? Indictment of their season. Yeah, I mean, if you if you'd if you'd said to Iwaki before the first round, or oh, with with four games to go, you'll be level on points with Sendai and ahead of them on goal difference. I think they would have bitten your hand off, wouldn't they? <laughs> and then from a Sendai point of view, he said after four after thirty eight rounds, you're going to have the same number of points as a newly promoted team. Um, mm. That would have set the alarm bells ringing, but um, it is what it is, and I think to be honest, seventeenth, um, eighteenth is about where both of these term these teams deserve to be. Yeah, uh, and it's a really interesting kind of lesson in sort of expectation management, isn't it? Uh, Iwaki, I imagine, will be a cock a hoop with where they are, mm. and uh, Sendai will be um, slightly less satisfied. So, yeah we'll, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But I think I think Sendai will be back, but uh, not not until at mm. least for not until at least February twenty twenty four. I think. Yeah, and they've got such mm-hmm. a like, the, uh, the really um, passionate and vocal set of supporters. Mm. So I'm sure that if they're not already, they will very soon be making their feelings known. And mm. I hope that the, the the hierarchy, the higher ups at Sendai, uh, take note and act. Yeah. Because, Let's. Uh, you know, it's, it's a really good club, and and sure. Should be they should be much higher than they are right now. Let's uh, let's hope that um, YouTube have uh, you know got the the enough poo emojis to go round for the end of season uh, you know press conferences. Yeah, um, I, I'm aware that, that that's not how emojis work. It's not possible to run out, but it just sounded funny, so I said no, it. No, it might yeah. be because I'm planning on yeah. using plenty. I was gonna. Well, yeah, there, there might be a global shortage of poo emojis around sort of the, the last week in November. Might there? There's quite a few J2 teams going to be. Uh, yeah, going to be yeah sharpen, sharpening their sharpening their fingernails to press the the poo emoji. But I don't know, it's, it's gone wrong, James. The analogy, but you get yeah. you get the, you get the idea. Hope, let's hopefully, move the on. Get it. Let's yes, move let's. On. Yes, it's getting late, isn't it? Okay, so um, James, we, we covered a few of what we thought were kind of interesting talking points from the the J two mm. weekend. What we normally do at this point is preview the the slate of games coming up uh, in the next round. But for some reason, and even though we talked about this, we chatted. I still haven't been able to find a sort of proper explanation. J two ostensibly has a weekend off this week, doesn't it? Which is so rare that it's almost unheard of. I'm not sure, mm. not sure what the ra- what the rationale is for that. But um, happily. We do have two games coming up that are rescheduled matches 
um, on Saturday, October the 14th. So we'll preview those very quickly before we before we uh, retire. At 2 p.m. on Saturday, it's Akita against Machida. Uh, this game was delayed, uh, postponed back in round 26. So Akita in 12th and almost safe. Obviously, Machida atop. And this is their game in hand on the rest of the, uh, the kind of chasing pack. They'll go eight points clear with four games to go if they win this one. And then at 5pm on Saturday, it's Fujieda against Gunma. This game was originally slated for round 32 and got pushed. This is 14th hosting 10th. Again, Fujieda, similar to Akita, pretty much safe, not quite mathematically, but they're not going to go down. Whereas Gunma, I think, probably really need to win this one just to keep their playoff hopes ticking over uh, going into the, the sort of final final month of the season. But um, yeah, James, any comments on these two games? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm quite pleased that they're not kicking off at the same time because um, I, I, you know, what the J League is like. You know, they they wouldn't have surprised me if they both been two o'clock kickoffs. But and also, I don't know why there was. A, I have no idea why there was a week off in uh, in October. Doesn't make sense. Um, something to do with the Olympics because that didn't make sense either. No, that didn't affect J2 at all. But we had two weeks off for that. I wonder if they just put a week like a fire break in because they anticipated having a lot of more postponements or something, yeah. you know, for COVID or whatever. It's a smart idea, but you think that they would have said why? Oh, maybe not. Anyway, mm. uh, the games, I think, yeah, Akita match will be interesting. Akita, four games unbeaten. They won this fixture earlier in the year, 1-0, um, and that was despite um, William Pop's Roy Carroll impersonation. <laughs> Um, Akita, they also beat Shimizu so they could take something from this game and Machida are, are a little bit out of form they've only won two of their last eight although that was a 5-0 and a 6-0 so <laughs> the three draws and three losses mm. but they won't have um, obviously won't have Eric because he's out injured and they won't have Duke because he's on international duty so um, well, they've still got plenty of players, good players, without even having to call on um, Adam Ilson, who still not sure if that actually happened. They signed him or if that was a, a dream I had. But anyway, um, so I think that will be an interesting one, a very con- contrasting in styles. And then, yeah, Fujieda, Gumma. Fujieda actually, in, I know they lost the other day, but they're in quite reasonable form. After they had that really long winless run, they went on a on a pretty decent unbeaten run. Um, as Gumma, yeah, I think Gumma's playoff push has run out of steam. Uh, winless in four, three draws, the last two they haven't scored. I don't think they've got enough firepower to 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 make up that four point gap. Although of course, if they win this, they're only a point off. I just mm-hmm. don't think. I think they, uh, I think it's run its course for them, um, but who knows? Fujieda's defense is pretty awful. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what about you? What do you think about these games? Yeah, no, I, I can't really disagree with anything that you uh, that you've mentioned. I mean, you alluded to. Uh, I, I can well remember your Calm FC sort of limping. Uh, to a top two finish last season where they, they just couldn't seem to get over the line in that last sort of few games and Machida seemed to be sort of yeah imitating that this year they've been 
quite badly out of form. Although I know in a couple of games they've played well and just it hasn't things haven't quite dropped for them. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Machida, um, sorry, if Akita gave Machida a tough game. But I do think that kind of motivation that they'll go eight points clear of you know the the chasing pack. I think Machida will by hook or by crook probably win that game. I don't think I don't think it'll be a five nil or six nil. Uh, steamrolling because Akita tend not to get beaten like that yeah. but I think Machida will just about manage to, to, to squeeze three points out of the out of the fixture and yeah Fujieda Gunma again we, we haven't talked about Fujieda much recently because they've been sort of you know ticking over without any fuss kind of in lower mid table so I don't think they'll be too bothered you know there won't be um, there's not a lot riding on this game for them I don't think although they're, they're perhaps not quite mathematically safe and Gunma um, I can't really disagree with your assessment. I mean, even being 10th at this stage is a pretty decent achievement for them. Yeah. Uh, going into the running with like a player shot. I mean, we, we're not mentioning the team that's bottom of the table, as you as mm-hmm. you mentioned, but it's like Gunma are becoming, um, they're almost like the kind of poster, poster child for what a small market team with a, a very uh, meager budget can achieve if they're yeah. well coached and they're well organized. So... Mm-hmm. Um, sort of the the football fan purist in me would like to see Gunma sneak into sixth place, yeah, um, and finish like you know twenty five points ahead of your your Sendai's or whatever. Um, but I, I think my with my serious hat on, yes, it would be a surprise if they did that because, like you said, they probably peaked a bit earlier in the season, didn't they? Mm. And um, they they haven't really looked like and been in playoff uh, playoff form for the last couple of rounds, so. Um, but yeah, I think both games will be interesting. Hopefully, we haven't jinxed them both to be uh, to be nil nil. And uh, yeah, I think it probably sounded like we were complaining that there was a, a break in the J two schedule this week. I just want to make it clear that's not the case. If anyone from the J League's listening, um, it's most welcome uh, to have a weekend where there's only a couple of games for us to keep an eye on uh, for a change, uh, James. I don't know if you don't know if you agree. I'm sure you do. Yeah, I think um, when J League schedule compilers are working pre-season they need to consider podcasters more well look we're, we're out there we're reachable you know they could always just run just run the schedule by me or you you know in advance <laughs> before it's before it's sent out to the press before people like sean get their get their yeah. hands on it and just just let me make the changes you know the necessary changes um, that I need. but um yes i think um next week uh james i can't remember what we decided but i think i will probably do a quick roundup of these two games yeah, because um, you're you're out of town, I think, uh, or yeah. you're, you're busy. So yeah, won't be uh, perhaps won't be the sort of full full podcast service um, on the J two front next week, but we will get some kind of a reaction or some some kind of reports on those two games from the weekend uh, next week. Um, yeah. But James, I think at this point we are both up early for work, aren't we? Uh, in short order, so we, we'd better we'd better knock it on the head for tonight uh, here. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. It was good good to reconvene and get your thoughts on uh, some of the action at the top and the bottom of J2 uh, as ever. And yeah, I'll be back next week and I'll review these two kind of rearranged games uh, from the weekend um, for the listeners as well. Uh, but that's all from me and James for now, I think. As usual, though, uh, Magic Mike Innes is going to be on hand in just a moment. He's got J Talk Short Corner and all the latest J3 uh, goings on for you. So please stay tuned. And after a quick bit of music, uh, you're going to hear from Mike. See you soon. Bye for now. J Talk Extra Time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to J Talk Short Corner, the mini pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J League. I'm your host, Mike Innes, and in this episode, 
I'll be looking back on fixtures in round 30 of the J3 season, as well as previewing the round 31 matches coming up this weekend. There was one game on Thursday the 5th, and it was a cracker between 5th-placed FC Osaka and Kagoshima United, whose recent form has taken them up to 2nd. Before the opening goal, there were chances at both ends. Osaka's Rui Tone having a shot saved at the near post by Ryota Izumori. Noriaki Fujimoto putting a header just wide for Kagoshima. Fujimoto did, however, find the net on 18 minutes, glancing in Hiroya Nodeke's cross, although Tatsuya Nagai could have made the save. The visitors stayed on the front foot and went further ahead six minutes into the second half, Jin Hanato retaining possession to set up Shuto Nakahara, who let fly with a stunning right foot shot from 25 yards. Another header from Fujimoto almost made it 3-0, but Nagai dived full length to keep it out. And Osaka clawed their way back into the game in the 64th minute, Kazuya Mima sending across to the far post, where Daigo Furukawa rose between Kota Hoshi and Seiya Take to head powerfully in. A fantastic finish by Furukawa for his eighth of the season. Not that the home side were able to push on from there, as Kagoshima made it 3-1 with nine minutes to go. Lei Yonezawa's cross curling over Nagai and, clearly unintentionally, under the bar. Still trying to get back into the match, Osaka went close when Naoki Tanaka's header brought a goal-line save out of Izumori, although Tanaka did pull one back in stoppage time. Ranjiro Machida taking advantage of some hesitation by Issei Tone to set up a close-range finish. Final score, Osaka 2, Kagoshima 3, and since reaching the promotion places, Osaka have picked up only two points from four matches, although they stay fifth. The Smoking Volcanoes, probably the outstanding team in the division now, two points clear in second. There was also one game on Saturday the 7th when the focus switched to lower down the table for FC Ryukyu's home fixture against Kamatemari Senoki. It's been a tempestuous season for Ryukyu, now on their third coach of the year, but there are signs Kim Jong-song is introducing some stability. Kim's team went in front in the 20th minute, Katsuya Nakano and Takahiro Yanagi combining to open up the away defence. Yanagi's low cross finished into the roof of the net by Yu Tomidokoro, a first of the season for the 33-year-old. Kosei Okazawa had a chance for 2-0, well saved by Yusuke Imamura. Takuma Goto and Gentaro Yoshida may feel they should have found the net for the Noodle Boys. Final score, Ryukyu won Senuki nil. Not a compelling proposition, but it's three unbeaten for Kim and Ryukyu, and they climb to 17th. One place above them, Kamatamari are four without a win, playing okay suffering for their lack of goal threat. And all this meant there were eight games on Sunday the 8th. 
with leaders Ehime FC, who've had a sharp dip in form, hosting a Tegevajano Miyazaki side without a goal in their previous seven outings. It turned out to be something of a thriller in the rain at the Ninjaneer Stadium. Tegevajano's Ryota Kitamura forcing homekeeper Shugo Tsuji to tip a vicious 25-yarder onto the bar inside the first 30 seconds. The visitors' game plan evidently involved getting the ball forward quickly, and that paid dividends in the 12th minute. A surging run from Kazuma Nagata, ending with the rookie midfielder lashing it inside the far post to put the goal-shy Miyazaki in front. It was a lead that lasted only 10 minutes. Ehime pulling level when Taiga Ishiura's free kick nicked off the wall and beyond the wrong-footed Shunsuke Ueda. The Tegevajano keeper put on a superb performance after that, though, producing a string of saves to deny Yutaka Soneda, Yuta Fukazawa, Shunsuke Motegi and Riki Matsuda before half-time. The visitors almost went back in front midway through the second period, a last gasp block from Yasuhiro Hiraoka keeping out Ryohei Yamazaki's close-range effort, while at the other end Ueda offered more heroics in injury time to keep out Reiya Morishita's header. Final score Ehime 1, Miyazaki 1. The Mighty Mikans lead down to four points, and although they picked up their first point in three games, that's surely not satisfactory for coach Kiyotaka Ishimaru. New Tegevajaro boss Mitsuo Kato sees his team break their goalless streak, but drop one place to 18th. Ehime and Kagoshima might still be occupying the promotion slots then, but who's in the chasing pack behind them? The nearest challengers are Katane Toyama, who picked up three crucial points at bottom side Giravance Kitakyushu. It was Giravance who came closer to scoring in the first half of this one, Yuki Okada curling a long-range attempt against the bar, Shun Hirayama fluffing a free header in the follow-up, Rinpei Okano shooting pretty feebly in a one-on-one -on -one with keeper Tomoki Tagawa, and Katane stole the lead soon after the restart. Nobuyuki Shina's near-post free kick touched in cleverly by centre-back Junya Imase. From then, Toyama rarely looked like adding to the lead. The Sunflowers couldn't keep their shots on target. Final score, Kitakyushu nil, Toyama won. Giravance now nine points from guaranteed safety, and their fans will surely be spending as much time following the progress of JFL teams eligible for promotion as they do their own relegation fight. Katane didn't impress here, but they do stay third. FC Imabari also remain in contention thanks to perhaps their best result of the season, an away win at one of the division's form teams, Fukushima United. Imabari had a lucky escape on 22 minutes as Kosuke Tanaka burst into the area and hit the post with a low shot that had John Ander Serantes beaten. And ten minutes later, Serantes had to make a sharp save to keep out a volley from Kota Mori, Fukushima playing with confidence and no little style. 
but the visitors came more into the game after half-time. Vinicius Araujo hitting the bar with a header from Wakabash Shimoguchi's cross, and they broke the deadlock on the hour. Toyofumi Sakano setting up Kantachiba for a volley. Kaito Yamamoto tipping it onto the woodwork. Sakano reacting quickest to head in the rebound. An injury time save by Serantes kept out a dangerous shot from Uheiji Uehata and confirmed the win for the visitors. Final score, Fukushima nil, Imabari one. Mitsumasa Yoda's Fukushima will play worse than this and win, but they drop one place to 14th. Naoto Kudo's Imabari remain fourth and four points outside the top two. And Gainane Totori moved level on points with fifth-placed Osaka, despite being held somehow to a home draw by SC Sagamihana. Early on, Gainane's Taku Ushinohama had a goal ruled out for offside for the second week running, and soon afterwards, the home team continuing to push for the opener, Hideyatsu Ozawa was prevented from scoring by a brilliant tackle from Daisuke Kato. Another Totori chance came six minutes before half-time when Junya Suzuki's shot was cleared off the line by Shuhei Kunihiro only for Atsushi Jojo to hammer the rebound over the bar from six yards. Sagamihana rarely threatened their goalkeeper John Higashi enabling his team to claim a point when he saved well from Muryosuke Tamara's low shot in injury time. Final score, Totori nil, Sagamihara nil. Despite the results, Gainane continue to impress and are now up to sixth. Sagamihara, meanwhile, rode their luck, are still in 19th, but have lost only one in the last eight. Elsewhere, Iwate Gruja Morioka achieved their best result since the 5-1 win at Ehime on the opening day. Tetsuji Nakamigawa's team travelled to inform Matsumoto Yamaga and were two up by half-time. Masashi Wada opening the scoring when he hooked Tsuyoshi Miyaichi's cross inside the post. In added on time at the end of the half, Tsubasa Yuge clipped it into the box. Daigo Nishi chested it down for Kenneth Otabo to finish. A fifth in ten games for Otabo, latterly emerging as one of the breakout players of 2023. Early in the second half, J3 top scorer Len Komatsu pulled one back for Yamaga, judging to perfection Shunsuke Yonehana's lofted pass, guiding his header beyond Kenta Tanno and in. But the underwhelming hosts made no further headway back into the game, and in the last few minutes, Gruja scored twice more. Kentaro Kai bullying home defender Takato Nonomura to head in Ren Fujimura's corner for 3 1. Toi Kagami finishing from the edge of the area after good work from Miyu Sato. Final score Matsumoto 1, Iwate 4. The third time this season, Yamaga have conceded four at home. That brings their unbeaten run to an abrupt end and they drop down to ninth. Gruja are one place below them and under Nakamikawa have three wins from three. 
at a wet. Nagaragawa FC Gifu picked up their first victory in six against Azul Claro Numazu, going in front in only the second minute when Hirofumi Yamauchi converted Ryoma Kita's precise through ball to round off a fine team move. Winger Toma Murata made it 2-0 on 25 minutes, picking up a loose ball inside his own half, moving forward and evading the challenge from Yuya Tsukegi to slot in a shot from the edge of the area. Azul Claro threw on veteran forward Kengo Kawamata at the break, and on 65 minutes, he pulled one back, his first goal for the club, running on to Noah Kenshin Brown's pass and beating Shu Mogi with an angled shot. Kyota Mochi blazed over the bar when presented with the visitors' best chance to equalise. Final score, Gifu 2, Numazu 1. Yusaku Ueno's Gifu able to use their speed more than has been the case in recent weeks. They're back up to 8th. For Masashi Nakayama and Azul Claro, their recent decline continues and they drop below halfway in the standings to 11th. Despite having a player sent off and, according to the J-League website, being outshot by 20-4, YSCC Yokohama held on for a referee-assisted win over Nana Club at Mitsuzawa. Nano's Hayato Horiuchi drew a good save out of Jun Kodama early on, but YSCC got themselves in front on the half hour. A penalty awarded for an off-the-ball foul by Yuki Kotani on Daiki Sato, converted by Sato for his sixth of the season. Controversy struck on 37 minutes. Horiuchi hitting the bar from 25 yards. Sotaro Yamamoto's follow-up header punched away by Yasuto Fujita, the loose ball then volleyed in by Hayato Asakawa. The decision from the official, Kazuyoshi Kashima, was indeed a straight red card for Fujita, but instead of giving Asakawa the goal, the Nana top scorer had to make do with a penalty kick, which he sliced wide of the target. It was one-way traffic after that, but Kodama held firm, and when Kensei Nakashima got the ball in the home net late on, he was quickly flagged for offside. Final score, YSCC 1, Nana 0. Three points for the Kanagawa Seagulls, thanks in large part to referee Kanashima. They're back up to 13th. Pretty luckless for Nana, and they slip to 7th. And finally... It ended level between AC Nagano Parseiro and Van Rare Hachinohe. Nagano going ahead on 24 minutes when Naoki Sanda's ball into the box was deflected skywards. Yasufumi Nishimura getting the better of Naoyuki Yamada to bring it under control and score from close range. The home side retained their lead when keeper Kim Min Ho tipped Yuki Aida's goal-bound volley over the bar and should have gone two up only for Yuki Morikawa's side foot to be blocked on the line by Kodai Minoda. Hachinohe started the second half brightly, Aoi Sato hitting the post with a low curling shot and on 56 minutes they drew level, committing players forward to overload the home defence, Minoda setting up Sunday Oriola for a shot that nicked off Hayato Ikegaya and inside the far post, a first J-League goal for the 20-year-old. 
Paseino were the more likely to score from there on in, but Morikawa and Oleo Yamanaka had left their shooting boots at home. Final score, Nagano 1, Hachinohe 1. Paseiro under Niki Takagi seemingly just playing out the remainder of the season and they drop back to 15th. Nobuhiro Ishizaki's Vanderade are one point and three places better off. So now to run through the top and bottom of the league standings after round 30. The top six are... Ehime with 55 points, Kagoshima with 51, Toyama 49, Imabari 47, Osaka and Totori 44. At the other end of the table, the bottom six are Nagano with 38 points, Sanuki with 36, Ryukyu 35, Miyazaki 33, Sagamihara 32, and bottom of the table with 24, Kitakyushu. Just time now for a quick look ahead to the round 31 fixtures this weekend when there are two games on Saturday the 14th. Nana have a tricky home match against Fukushima. And can Iwate continue their recent revival as they host Ryukyu? Eight games then on Sunday the 15th. Top against bottom, Ehime against Kitakyushu. Second place, Kagoshima head north to Hachinohe. Among the teams still in the hunt, Toyama have a chance for three points at home to Numazu. Imabari take on YSCC. Osaka meet Gifu at Hanazono. Totori travel to Sanuki and Matsumoto play host in their local derby with Nagano. Finally, there's a proper six-pointer at the foot of the table, Miyazaki against Sagamihara. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say thanks for listening, enjoy your football and see you next time. Bye for now.